Lazarus, I mean on John chapter 11, the rising of Lazarus. John is the only gospel that this is, uh, this is recorded in. And it's pretty amazing because it's such an awesome miracle. But none of the, God, none of the other gospels have it in it. You know, that's, that's God's sovereignty. He does what he wishes. And, and he brings out, and he uses whoever he wants to use. If you're willing, if you're willing God will use you. And um, this is an awesome, awesome 11. I got chapter 11, 1 to 44. I'm going to go ahead and read the text. And then we'll dive in. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love, mercy, and grace. Lord, we ask for forgiveness of our sins, Lord. Cleanse our hearts and minds, Lord. Focus us on your word right now, Lord. Take away all the distractions, Lord. All the worries of the day, Lord. All those things that come to you, Lord. All the attacks that we have, Lord. And Lord, let us just focus on, this, on your word right now and just on this fellowship, Lord, that we have with one another, Lord. Father God, we just thank you for just loving us so much, Lord, and the sacrifice you made. Our God came off his throne, came down in the form of a man, and shed his blood on the cross for us. How awesome are you, God? We serve an awesome God. Amen. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I'll read the text, and then we'll dive in. I like to call this, this study just love because it's the love of God that just, just covers us. His blood, His blood just, just saturates us and keeps us holy. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and his sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent, sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister Mary and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you and you are going there again. And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anybody walks in the, in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said after, after that, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he was already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whether you, whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to them, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went 
her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and he's calling for you. As soon as, as soon as she heard that, she rose quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. And when, then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved him? And some of them said, Could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb, and it was, it was a cave, and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead for four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the, the, the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me. But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes, and his, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, Loose him and let him go. Wow. Pretty awesome, huh? Let's go with the first five verses. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and his sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil. <laughs> and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he, him who, who you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and, and Lazarus. This was recorded... Uh, about Marth, about Mary anointing Jesus the Jesus's feet with uh, fragrant oil and wiping his feet with her hair in Matthew twenty six seven and John twelve three, but the t point to these five verses. These three people loved Jesus. They gave they gave him a place to rest his weary body, a place where he was loved. Remember in uh, in. And Luke 9.58, it says, And Jesus said to them, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus had nowhere. He didn't have a home. So there was two places that was recorded in the Bible that Jesus frequented to rest and to, uh, and to um, energize himself. And uh, this was one of the places. And also the other place was at Peter's house in Campernium. He used, to, he used to stop there, and his, and his Peter's mother-in-law would uh, would take care of him, and she was the one that one of the people Jesus held, healed from a sickness. And uh, as I as I was reading this, I was thinking to myself, "Wow, you know, you have Jesus as a guest frequently. You're, you're talking about God at your house, and and they knew it because you, you're under, you're sitting under his teaching continuously. You're, you're hearing him speak. You're talking to him." You're touching him. You're, 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 you're making sure that he has a place to stay, uh, food to eat. You're taking care of him. You know, he was treated like family. He was their family. And he, they always made sure they had a place for him. And, and the scripture tells us that J.C. had no home of his own. Now, when you, when you, you think 
Do you think that he loves us any, any, any less or any more than he loved them? Because he talked about how much he loved them. You know, Jesus loves all of us the same. He plays no partiality. He takes care of us all the same. But you know what? We have to love him. If you want, if you want to receive love, you've got to give love. And these people made sure that they, they, had, they had a home and a place for Jesus at all times. Peter, I mean, uh, yeah, Peter made sure that there was always a place where Jesus could rest and, and, and energize himself. You know, he, he always had a lot of things on his mind. You know, he was, he'd always had things to do. And um, they gave him that place. I ask, I ask you right now, do you have that special place for Jesus in your heart? Better yet, is, it doesn't reflect in your home. When somebody comes into your house, does, it, does, does your house show that Jesus has a place here? Does he live in your home? Because if he doesn't have that, that number one spot in your heart, he won't have that number one spot in your home. You know, number one is, is Christ. We have to serve God first. Then everything else is taken care of. Uh, Matthew 6.33 tells us, Seek thy kingdom and his righteousness, and everything else is taken care of. If we put God first in our lives, and if we make sure that we have that place in our home and in our heart, and it will reflect in our lives. It will reflect in everything we do. We'll draw people to us, and they'll wonder, what, what is it that you have that I don't see in other people? And they'll, they'll, it just opens the door for witnessing all the time. Gives you a chance to tell them, I have Jesus. And, you know, you want to know about really what I, what I have? It's Christ and Christ crucified and the grace of God. In Joshua 24, 15, it says, And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that are on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in, which, in whose land you dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Is that, is that what reflects out of your life? Are you serving God? Because serving God isn't coming to church on Sundays and just going home or, or coming to the Bible studies on Tuesdays or going to midweek on Thursdays. Serving God is stepping out in faith, walking out, stepping, allowing the Holy Spirit to use you. And being filled with that spirit. Because I guarantee you, if you start doing that, God will show you, show you what it really is to serve. And to, and to see his, his supernatural work through you. Because it's, it's warfare, people. It's warfare out there. And, um, and the harvest is plentiful. And the times are getting short. And he's looking for those workers. He's looking for those that are willing to step out in faith. And serve him. In John 13, 34 and 35, this is the kind of love that was, uh, that was exhibited by, by Martha and Mary and Lazarus. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all we know, by, by this, all we know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. That's, you know, that's it. You know, right now we're gathered. We're gathered here because we do love one another. And I, every time I run into a person on the street and I find out he's a Christian, there's that special bond that the Holy Spirit just brings us together. Anywhere you go, God will bring us together because there's that special bond we have in the Spirit of God. You know, if you have the Holy Spirit... God will just blow your mind. In verses uh, 6 and 7, it says, So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after that, he said to his disciples, Let us go to Judea. You know, it's, it's funny. You know, Jesus is never under anybody's rule. Nobody tells Christ what to do. He only answers to the Father. That was the only people, that's the only man he answers to is his father. And his timing is always right. When Jesus spoke or performed a miracle, it was always at a specific time and place for it to have the most effect 
in the hearts of those who, were, who he was witnessing to. When we serve a sovereign God, his timing is always perfect. He always waited because there was a lot of reasons, and we'll get into that. But as, as they were walking and, and going to Judea, the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. Are you going there again? <laughs> and he's talking about in the, in the chapter before in 10, when, the, when they tried to stone Jesus for doing good works. And Jesus said, many works I have shown you from my father. Which of those works do you stone me? And then at the end in 39, he said, therefore, they sought again to seize him, but he escaped out of their hand. It's like Jesus was magic. He just walked through walls. You know, he knew the time wasn't right for him to be that witness, that ultimate witness for us when he went to the cross. And uh, and he always he was always was in control. God is always in control. You know, Jesus, Jesus lets them know. There is no reason, as he goes into verses 8, and t- 8 to 10, it says, Then the disciples said to him, You know, lately they, the Jews sought to stone you, and you are going there again. And Jesus answered right away. Jesus goes into this. Are, you, are there not 12 hours in the day? And if anybody walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. This is, you know, good stuff here. It, it says, Jesus lets them know there is no reason to fear evil if you're walking in the light. They're, they're, they're afraid. They're afraid, okay, you're going to Judea. They just tried to stone you there, and now we're going back there? I don't know, Jesus. They, you know, they just, you know, didn't really get it yet. Because Jesus always, when he's always teaching, he's teaching spiritually to them. And they, don't, they didn't understand the spiritual. They just understood what they can see. And then John 1, 1 John 1, 56, it says, This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. And if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. You know, it's so profound when Jesus' light is shining through you because he calls us as witnesses of light. In, uh, in John 1, in John 1, 4, it says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And then he comes down to, um, to 9, and he says, that, that was a true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. And it, and it talks about in 8, he says, he was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. He's talking about John, John the, John the Baptist. And he says, that was a true light which gives light to every man coming into the Lord. We're called to be witnesses of the light. We're to be here so the light shines through us. And Jesus right now is trying to explain to them, that if you stay close to Christ, there's no reason to fear darkness. There's no reason to have fear at all. Because God, God is shining his light on all the darkness around him. And he brings anything that we do in darkness, he brings it to the light. I remember for, for 40 years of my life, I walked in darkness. I, had, uh, I thought I was in control. I thought I was the man. And then after 40 years... God shined his light on me and brought me out of that darkness. And ever since then, it's just <laughs> that light is, is, there's nothing like it. And why would you want to walk, go back into darkness after being with this marvelous light? God is so good. God's light shines so strong through us. And we're called to be witnesses of the light. I know as I go into the county jail on Sundays, and it's dark in there. It's very dark. And there's a lot of guys in there that are searching for that light. And, and to be witnesses to them. Because we're just like, I'm no better than any of those guys I preached to in the county jail. I was just like them. I, I had fallen. I had sat in those seats. And I was 
And I'm so blessed to have the two. And, and you know what? The light chases you. Yeah, that's the thing. Jesus chased me for 40 years. Chased me. My brother was a, was a pastor. He, was, he had been witnessing to me for at least 20 years before I became a born-again Christian. And it's so awesome how many chances God gives us. We, we, we serve a God of second and third and fourth chances. He just, he just, he, and he chases us because he does not want us to perish in our sin. He always chases us and, 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 and he shines light on our darkness. And things we do in the darkness, he brings to light. And finally, you, you, you get it. You hope you get it. Because there's a lot of people out there dying in the darkness. Because for some reason or another, some of us aren't willing to be that light to them or speak to them. But, you know, if, if you're searching for the light, God is right in front of you. And uh, he doesn't hold back his light. Remember when Judas betrayed Jesus? The scripture makes, it, makes the point to specify that it was night when he went out. Remember when he dipped the, the bread with Jesus and Jesus said, what you do, do it quickly. And it says it was night. Judas's heart was already darkened. And he had a chance to repent. You know, don't, don't ever allow somebody that's looking for that light to walk away from you without giving them the light. Because it, it's... To see somebody perish, I have a cousin. And uh, she was on her dying bed. And um, this, I was a pretty new Christian at the time, and I went to minister to her. And um, she was so against Christianity and against this. And, against, and she just, she, it was like if you brought it up, she got angry, very angry. And, uh, and she, she was dying. She, she only had hours to live. And I, I, got, I had a chance to go witness to her. And she rejected it. And to see somebody like, it was like the most heartbreaking thing I've ever seen in my life. To know that somebody went into darkness and that was it. That's final. Death is final. And when, when the Bible talks about death, it talks about darkness. It talks about a burning fire, but you don't see a flame. It talks about torment and, 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 and gnashing of teeth. You know, what did the rich man say to Lazarus? said, Abraham, just have him dip his finger in some water so he can quench my thirst because I'm in torment. And when I, I, I just can't help but think about that a lot. And, you know, I, but it shows you the love of God. It shows that he will give you to the 11th hour to receive Christ. And he'll use you. To that person. He'll use you as that light. Because we know that uh, death is final. And we know that we only have this life right now to receive Christ and make that decision. There's no purgatory. That you can't be prayed in later. The Bible doesn't speak about that anywhere. And for anybody to, to believe that and to preach that, they're preaching lies. And uh, shame on them. Because the judgment on them is so much worse. We have to make our, 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 our decision now. It's, it's, it's no joke. And, and especially now because time is short. And, and I know Jesus is coming. I know you could. He said, can you discern the times? You see, you see the world. Everything that's good is bad. And everything that's bad is good. Simple as that. And Isaiah tells you that. You know, watch out for the days when they call good evil and evil good. We're living in those days. And, and it's so blank and, and so right in your face. You know, people are rejoicing because they're killing babies in the womb. They're rejoicing and, and, and putting rainbow flags on the White House because same-sex marriage is okay. And our, our president is the biggest advocate of it. Of, of killing babies in, in, in the homosexual movement. But yet he calls it, he does it under the umbrella of Christianity. And he tells us that, 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 
that are are that that are against these things, that that our morals are bad. You know, that it's our moral duty. He talks about morals all the time, and I, I just don't get it. I mean, the morality of this country is in the gutter, and it, and it starts with the leader. It starts from the top, and um, it's sad. But you know what? There's still hope. There's still hope. We still need to pray. You know, the elections are coming up. You know, I mean, there's a man running that's probably not a Christian, but I think that 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 he is surrounding himself by some people that will will show him the light. Because we know the the, the other side is all darkness. You know, and, and everybody goes, well, you know, the two evils and all that. You know, he's the better of the two evils. But um, but some people are successful because they listen to the people around them. And um, the, the guy the guy right next to him is, is a solid Christian. And um, we got to believe that he is talking to him and that he's listening. There's a reason why he picked him. You know, God's in control of everything. You know, he, he he loves us. He loves the church. The church is strong in America. You know, there's the Church of Philadelphia is here. Right here. Solid teaching. Going out and preaching the gospel. Not ashamed of the gospel. Because we can't be. The time is short, guys. I, I, I hate to keep saying that, but um, God wants to pour his love out on this country. And, and the only way he can is through us. You know, I mean, he speaks to us. He uses us. Not that he needs us, but he, he wants to use us because, you know what, it feels good. It feels good. And I'm not talking about feelings. I'm just talking about God wants to use us. And when you step out in faith, it's pretty amazing. It says in Matthew six twenty two, the lamp of the body is the eye. And if therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. I always ask myself to examine myself and, and what I'm doing and what I'm putting into my body, what I'm watching. What I'm looking at is trash in, trash out. And I explain that to my, I try to explain that to my son and my daughter all the time. They're, they sometimes like to listen to that rap music and I can't stand it. And so I, I let them know that this is trash. You start putting your body, in, putting this into your body, into your mind, and, and that's the way it comes out. You start reading the Word of God and putting this in your in your thoughts, in your mind, listening to worship music. You know, I've been lately I've been I've been not listening to any secular music. I just listen to only worship music. And when I'm laying in my bed and I get up in the morning, there'll be a worship song on my mind. And and it's it's so awesome. I'm just going, man, praise God. Because that's what I want to hear in the morning. I want to hear those tunes. You know, because you know, you, you start watching that TV, and, you know, I'm not against TV. I'm going to sit here. I don't have a TV in my house because I do. And I, I like watching my games and stuff. And it's probably some things I probably shouldn't watch. But um, I, try to, I try to fill my mind with the things of God. Because then, when you put that in, that's what comes out. And that's, that's what matters. Because there's people dying out there right now that need to hear the gospel. And they need to make their choice, just like we made our choice. And God will give everybody at least one chance to make that choice. But if he wants to use you and, he, and he's talking to you, hey, go talk to that person over there. Do it. I guarantee it. I guarantee you're going to get a positive result. Or else he's going to use somebody else. And they get blessed. Because it's a blessing to see some, I mean, it's a miracle. That's supernatural to see somebody say yes to Christ. To be born again. Man, that's, that's supernatural. 
That's, that's against everything. All our fiber. We're just we're born sinner. We're, we're, all we want to do is sin. But when it changes us, when we change like that, it's it's a pretty amazing thing to see, guys. You know, always examine yourself. It's you know, it's so easy to slip into that darkness if you're not in the Word daily. You have to be in the Word daily. We have a study group at work. We have it's about five of us. And every morning at seven o'clock, we go. We we're going through the uh, we're going through uh, Judges right now, and it's such a time. It's such a you know, it, it talks about these times. Everybody doing what's right in their own mind, but it's it's the way you need to start your day. And not only that, not only have little study groups, but make sure you're doing a devotional for yourself. Make sure you and God are getting into the Word, because. Um, God teaches. The Holy Spirit teaches you. He speaks to you. He teaches you. He, he brings light onto the word so you can pass that light on. And it's, you know, I'm not the sharpest pencil in the bunch, you know. And I never have been. But this is the only book I've probably ever read cover to cover. But I've done it about ten times now. And, and I still don't know nothing. And he still speaks to me. And he still shows me different revelations. This, I, I love this book. I love this book. This is life. And when I, I pass out Bibles in the, in, the, in the prison, and I tell them, if you, I'm giving you the best gift that you can ever do. And if this is not, doesn't feel like that to you, then don't take it. Because I don't want you to go and throw it on your bunk, and that's the last time you open it. This book is meant to be opened every day. And, and you need to be saturated with this word. Because if you are, you will, you will see things that you will never see if you don't open this word. Because God shows you the supernatural through this. You have to open the word of God. It says in 2 Timothy, when the disciples are going, you're going to Judea? He says in 2 Tim- Timothy, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. You know how nice it is to have a sound mind? My mind was so scrambled for 40 years. And to know that what I do, what I, by serving God, is, is so right to me. I know God lives. And God is powerful. And he, and he uses this this wretched man that I am because of his grace. Because he uses me, he can use anybody. That's what's so awesome. I tell those guys in prison, if he's using me, he uses anybody. So I'm, I'm not that special. He used the donkey. You know, he could use me, he could use you, he could use all of us. But you've got to be willing to step out. You know, God doesn't force you to do anything. Because he wants you to do it on your free will. Free will is probably the worst thing that he gave man. Because that holds us back. Our free will holds us back. Fear holds us back. You know, public speaking, I mean, I, every, I mean I've taught a few, uh, quite a few times, but every time I come up here, I'm like this. Inside, I'm just like a deer in the headlight. I'm going, oh no, they're looking at me again. You know, I just, I just, I just have such a hard time with it. But you know what? God takes you out of your comfort zone. I can't be in that comfort zone too long, because that's when you start kicking back in the pew, and not doing anything. Oh, I've done my share. I've done my part. You know, I paid my tithes, and I'm not saying it's teachings for everybody. But uh, if He's called you to do it, He's called you to open your mouth. It's His word. He speaks it. You just got to open your mouth. He's just looking for those willing vessels. That's all you got to do is open your mouth. and You'd be amazed what comes out of it. After you take in the words, your mind's like a computer. We invented computers better, by the way. And if you take it in, he takes it out. But he can't take it out if you don't take it in. You got to read in the word every day. You got to read the word every day. You got to study the word. Even if it's just a few chapters a day. I mean, it takes you 15, 20 minutes. 
God's word never returns void, guys. It stays in there because you're reading it and it pierces the deepest part of you. It gets, gets way deep in that heart, you know. And, and you can't get rid of it. You can't, I don't know how people walk away from God. How people go back into the world without it just tearing you apart. And, and usually those people aren't too happy. Because that word is still there. And God doesn't let you go away easy. <laughs> he makes sure that, you know, you sure you want to do this? Because, you know, I'm giving you a chance to come back. He gave Judas a chance. Judas, repent. But, you know, what you do, do quickly. You know, that's, depart from me, I never knew you. You don't want to hear those words when you're standing before him. Didn't I do this? Didn't I do that? He's talking about your heart. Depart from me, I never knew you. Those have got to be the worst words because that's final. Those words are final. Verses 11 to 16. It said, these things he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him. And we know in the word when it says, when Jesus says sleep, or when we sleep, he's talking about death. But our, our dirty dozen, they're right there going, okay, well then if he's... Then this disciple said, Lord, if he sleeps, he'll get well. And however, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. And then Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. I thought that was pretty cool with Thomas. But as, as it, it, it says, Jesus was glad that, that, they, that he wasn't there so they can witness the miracle he was about to do to increase their faith. Because remember, they, they were just still kind of, okay, let's go, Jesus. Jesus wanted to show them the super, supernatural. It's neat how God always allows crisis in our lives to be an opportunity in our faith to grow, in Him to to get us, you know, He always given us those opportunities. You know, I mean, we might not like it. You know, when Jesus is teaching, we might not like it because you know it's not always good. It's not always good. It says in James one, two, and three, it says, "My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience." He's always testing us. Believe me, guys, we get tested all the time. I'm driving down the street and I'll get tested. And, you know, God wants to see our reaction. How do we react when we're confronted? Do we react with the love of Christ? Or do we act like idiots? You know, sometimes that idiot comes out of me and it's not very pretty. And then I have to gather myself because he says we need to be under subjection to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit needs to control our lives. And sometimes we, we're, we're not there. And you know what? We probably never will be there, but we need to be progressively better. In 2 Corinthians twelve nine to 10, he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I rather boast in my infirmities than the power of Christ may rest upon me. You know, therefore, I take pleasure in, in, in infirmities and in reproaches, needs, persecutions, and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I am strong. See, we got to gather ourselves in our weaknesses because we all have them. And the devil knows them. The devil knows every weakness we have. And he always hits us there. He knows my weaknesses. I know that because he's always, he's always making me Go to Christ. And thank you. Thank you, devil. Because if I, if I didn't run to Christ, I, I, would, I would fail. It's either you've got to make decisions in your life all the time. You know, there's people walking by, pretty girl, whatever. And you've got to make a decision. Are you going to eyeball or are you going to do what the Spirit tells you? Be under subjection to that Spirit. Because that Spirit's going to keep you out of trouble. And if you're walking in the light, 
you'll stay out of trouble. You know, if you start trying to dabble in darkness and he shines that light on, your whole witness is ruined. You don't want to ruin your witness. You know, Christ has used me abundantly. Do I want to ruin that? I don't think so. I don't think so. Satan wants me to ruin it. Because we, how many pastors do we see fall all the time? And, and, and their whole witness is ruined because of, what, 10, 20 minutes of doing something that you shouldn't have done? Being sucked in by Satan and his, and his, and his, his fallen angels? And Thomas, Thomas was, but see, Thomas right here, I like Thomas. You know, not like when Jesus died. Well, if I don't see the holes in his hands and, you know, the thorn in his side, I, I don't believe he was resurrected. But right here, Thomas steps up to the plate because he was willing to go with Jesus, even if it meant dying. He said with, you know, he made this commitment without much understanding of a promise of a resurrection. Thomas showed courage by willing to die for his faith. And we're starting to see that a lot, you know. On, on TV, you see Christians are being attacked all over the world. We're being we're being massacred. We're being killed all over the place, and 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 uh, and it's when you start to see it, you know, you see it on the internet and stuff, and it's it's not a pretty sight. But when a Christian is going to his death, when ISIS is walking, these they're smiling. Why are they smiling? Because they know this isn't the end. Absent from the body is present with the Lord. If you're a true believer, you're, you are willing to die for Christ. You know, we might be judged. We might be tested. Who knows in this country? Because more and more, we're, be, we're beginning to be the problem around here. Because we're going against everything that, that this country wants to do to make this utopia. Well, they'll never have it. Not, not the way they're going. And we're speaking up. You've got to speak up. You know, everybody, oh, no, Christians, you're supposed to just kind of just chill. What did, what did Hillary say? You guys need to change the way you think. She actually said that. It's like, okay, you should no longer follow the word of God. Just change it and just comply with us and do what we want you to do, and everything's cool. But that's, not, that's what the world wants. The world wants us to bow down to them, but we're not going to. If you're going to stand on the rock, you better stand firm on it because they're going to try to knock you off. And that's what they're trying to do right now. They're trying to get rid of us because we're the voice. We're the voice of reason, and they don't like that. You know, it's just it's some, some of this stuff like boys going into girls' bathrooms. I mean, where does that come from? Straight from the pit of hell. Straight from the pit of hell. And everybody's going, yeah, that's a good thing. Like they, they interview these college students on, on, on you know, yeah, I, I watch, um, uh, nuts, uh, what's his name, over on, um, anyways, on Fox News, this guy goes out and asks people questions on the street. Water's world. And this is water and this is my world. And, and he asks them the, the simplest questions. I mean, what do you think about, you know, men going in our, our guys thinking they're girls. Well, if that's the way they feel today, our college students, are, are, they've been dumbed down. Our nation has been dumbed down. And these are the future leaders of this world. We're done. We are done. You know? That's why it's so, it's so refreshing to see our, our youth group, see our, our, our young people, our young Christians, not buying into this. Because, you know, all their friends are. I mean, they go to school. They're, I know they're, they're, they have a lot of diversity. They have to fight a lot. I mean, I grew up and I wasn't a Christian, so I just couldn't imagine how kids that are Christians now in schools, what they have to do. They have to, there's a warfare on them that, man, I, I don't think I, I, I could have went through because, you know, they're being attacked. What do you mean? You, oh, you mean you, you don't like Obama? What's wrong with you? It's like, that's when, you know, they, they, Vernon goes, you know, Grandpa Day, was, you're not for Obama. They think, Vernon, you have to be. You just have to be. <laughs> and he tells them, no, that dude's evil. 
And you know, there's a lot of black men, good, strong black men out there, but he's not one of them. You know, he's not one of them. And, uh, and it's just like, oh man, it's like they're like blowing, even the teachers. Even the teachers. I mean, he's been attacked by teachers, you know, because he's not going along with the program. And um, I, I feel for my boy, but he needs to stand strong, you know, because if God is for you, who can be against you? You know, he's just got to stand strong. In 17 to 19, it says, So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. That's kind of true to their form. Martha was always a lady on the go, hey, cooking and always getting there. And Jesus, was, I mean, and Mary's always the one that was just kind of kicking back, listening to Jesus. Yeah. Go ahead, Martha. Handle it. <laughs> take care. Take care. Yeah, I'm hungry. You know, but, you know, but, you know, but Jesus said she did the right thing. She listened to the word, you know, and, uh, but even now, and then now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would, would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, he will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Now, Martha was kind of rebuking Jesus, coming at him like, Gee, if you'd have been here, I know you would have made him well. But now that he's dead, she, she, didn't, she wasn't thinking about he could raise him from the dead. But if he was just sick, he would have made him better. You know, so they, you know, they were limiting Jesus and limiting God. And that's what we all do. We put God in a box and say, God, I don't know. I got this problem, but I don't know if you can handle it. You know, we serve a big God, man. And he, he takes care of our big problems and our little problems. You know, like finding the keys. You're rushing around. Oh, man, where's my keys? Lord, Lord, please show me the keys. Boom, there they are. You know, it's just there is no problem too big or too small for Jesus. He takes care of all of them. And, he's, and, and in those days, you know, they had these mourners. Martha said to him, I know that, you know, Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection in the last day. And Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes, he shall never die. Do you believe? See, now he's, he's, he's hitting Martha. Right word, right word counts. Do you believe? Do you believe this? And she said, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. She understood that, you know, because she, she hung out with Jesus. She, she knew about the resurrection. She, she understood these things because she sat at his teaching all the time. But see, Jesus was telling her, I'm going to raise your brother now. And she didn't understand that. She said, you know... She said what, what Peter said. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. Now, I'm sure the Spirit had to reveal that to her. But Martha, had she was a little bit more on top of things, I think, than the disciples were. Because she spent a lot of time with Jesus. And you spend a lot of time with, with somebody, you get to know them pretty well. And, and, she, and Jesus taught them pretty well. It says, respect for the... In those days... They had all these mourners. They said, respect for the days, respect for the dead, and sympathy for the mourner were an essential part of Jewish duty as mourners left the tomb. They turned and said, depart in peace. And they never mentioned the name of the one who died without invoking a blessing. Because in, in Jewish beliefs, the reason why Jesus waited four days before he went to the tomb, because they thought, and their superstition thought the, the, the spirit hovered over the body for three days. So they, they, if he had raised them in the third day, then they would have said, oh, the spirit just came back to him. No miracle. But because he waited four days, he made sure that this, this man is dead. They're going to they're gonna believe this miracle. And then 20, 
Martha honestly stated her disappointment in Jesus' late arrival. She believed that Jesus was able to heal her brother when he was sick, but not possible considering that Jesus was able to raise Lazarus from the dead. Now she says, well, I don't think you can do this now, Jesus. Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, 1 John five fourteen to 15. So she believed that Jesus, you know, I know that if I would have asked you and Lazarus was just sick, you would have raised him. I know that because I know it was your will for him to live. And if we, if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. But when Jesus was telling them that he was asleep, he was dead. He was letting them know that I, he's dead. He's gone. And Jesus, Jesus made an enormous claim when he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you, and he, once again, he said, do you believe this? He challenges Martha's spiritual over her intellect. Because we, we, we kind of think on our terms. We, uh, we think in our intellect, well, I don't know. I don't know, Jesus. I know I've seen you, heal, you know, raise sick people, but I don't know if you can raise my brother. You know, and this wasn't the first time Jesus had did this. You know, he had raised um, Jarius' daughter in Luke eight fifty one to fifty six, and and in, and Nahum in Luke seven eleven to sixteen. But those children were raised right after they died. So, you know, they figured, oh, they were just in a coma and Jesus woke them up. So they, they didn't. So this time Jesus had to make sure that they understood that this is the hand of God. This isn't, you know, this isn't just, a, oh, he fell asleep for four days. No, he's dead. And uh, in Matthew sixteen sixteen, Peter also said the same thing. You are the son of the living God. And um, we know that that was only expressed to them through the Holy Spirit and through God the Father himself. In verses 28 to 44, I know I'm kind of going long. Let me try to get through this now. 28 to 44, it said, And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come. He's calling for you. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her, saying, She is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She, had the same, she said the same thing Martha did, and she felt the same way. If you would have been here when he was sick, he, you would have raised him. I'm sure you would have healed them. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. And when I read this, I thought, oh, Jesus, is, he's groaning because he don't like these Jews. You know, it's like groaning like, oh, what are these people doing with him? But then as I was reading commentary and I was, and I was, I was meditating on what was he was growing in, in, in agony because he felt her pain. He knew what he was going to do. He knew he was going to raise him from the dead, you know. I mean, he, he could have rejoiced and said, no, Mary, don't worry about it. But he felt her pain. And, and that's the thing about our God, about Jesus. Jesus fills everything we feel. You know, when our, one of our brothers just a few months ago went home to the Lord, we all were groaning in, in agony because we were going to miss this brother. And, and, and I know Jesus was right there with us. He felt the pain. But we know our brother that went home, he's, he's rejoicing, you know. It's like Lazarus probably going, oh, don't, don't bring me back, you know. But he's rejoicing, you know. He's, you know, that's where we all want to be, absent from the body, present with the Lord. When I see Jesus face to face, man, I will be rejoicing. I will be on my face, just enjoying his presence. But, you know, he's right now, he's in the moment. He's all, he's all man, right? He's all human. 
He's, he's, he's feeling the pain. He's, 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 he's right there with her. He said, and, and he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then Jesus wept. God wept. How awesome is that? How, how much love is that for us? Jesus loves us so much that we know that we don't go through anything without him. He goes through everything with us. He weeps with us. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him? So these, these guys weren't being evil. They, they, were, they, they saw the situation. They, they said, man, this man really loved Lazarus. And then the Jews, and then in 37, and some of them said, could not this man open the eyes of the blind, also have kept this man from dying? And of course he could have. And in 38, Jesus said again, groaning in himself, he came to the tomb, and it, was, and it was a cave, and a stone laid against it. And Jesus said, Take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to, them, said to him, Lord, by this time there is a stench, for he has been dead four days. I remember one time we, we went on a mission trip out to um, Indonesia, and we went to this little island called Neos, and they had just suffered a, a major earthquake. And uh, buildings had collapsed, and, and, and they were still digging out. And it had been four or five days already. And, and when you smell the stench of, of somebody dead or, or dead people, it's pretty bad. You had to really wear a mask and stuff. It was, and they were still digging people out. And, and I, could have, I was thinking about that, and I could imagine you're rolling away the stone, and, and, and this guy's been in there four days, and they're thinking, whew, he's going to be stinking. And Jesus said to her, did I not say, see, this is so awesome. He said, did I not say to you that you would, if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? See, he told her, do you believe this? And, and, and now he's testing her faith. Now he's saying, didn't I tell you? And you said you believed. He said, then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was laying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes. His face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. I could just see him coming out like this. And, and they're kind of going, where do I go? There's no place to run. But he's coming out and they said, and he's just, you know, he's calm about it. Loose him. It's. It's pretty amazing when God does something supernatural like this. And you think that, you know, you read this stuff and you say, man, you know, that probably would have been cool to see. But you know what? God does show you supernatural things. But you've got to be out there. You've got to be serving. You've got to be wanting to be used. And God will show you things that will blow your mind. John 14, 6 to 7 Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Jesus is telling him, you are looking at God. Get it right, guys, because we serve an awesome God. And all he wants to do is love on you. That's all he wants to do. And all you got to do is love on Him. God is good all the time. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank You that You used me again, Lord. And I thank You, Father God, that, that You love us so much, Lord, that You take care of all our needs, Lord. As Sammy says, even the air we breathe every morning, every, every breath we have, Lord, You have provided for us. And not only for us, Lord, but... You've, you've, you've provided for the, for the unjust, the just and unjust, Lord. You take care of everybody. You give everybody a chance, Lord. 
And I just pray for your mercy upon those that don't believe, Lord, those that are having a hard time, Lord. I lift up Andre's wife, Lord, who is sick right now, Lord. I pray, Lord, for my mother who is in the hospital, Lord. I pray, Lord, for just anybody that's struggling right now with any kind of sickness, Lord, any kind of uh, lack of faith, Lord, any kind of mental problem, Lord. I just lift them up to you, Father God, knowing that, Father, you are the ultimate physician, Lord. You can fix anything, Lord. Even if it means taking us home, Lord, that's where we want to be. Father God, you are so good, Lord. And I lift up everybody in this room, Lord. And I pray for all my brothers and sisters, Lord. And I just give thanks, Lord, for this honor to be up here, that you would just speak through me, Lord, the words of salvation, Lord. So, Father God, thank you for this day. Thank you for my brothers and sisters here. I lift them all up to you in the name of Jesus, Lord. Amen. Thank you.